I am not a prophet, but sometimes I have prophetic dreams. Pumping once, now throwing long down the left side. Squatter has it. He's going in for a touchdown. The Browns have won the game. <laughs> Cleveland, this is for you. Throwing deep down the left side. Squatter is open. He got the ball in the five-yard line. I tell you what, those people at left better come on back because this ball game is not over. growth and development of a roster is not going to happen in this league overnight. We're committed, as I told you from day one, we're not going to stray just because we have some challenges early on or face some adversity early on. Hey, because Hugh Jackson, what do the Browns do? They fire coaches every two years. They can't fire him. They, they've got to stick with him. If they're going to say this is a process, like you said, stockpiling draft picks, we're going to get rid of guys for financial and analytical reasons. You've got to go through this. The unfortunate part, which I hate, folks should go to my Twitter page and see my background. If Cleveland Brown fans are walking out of you early, that means That's big. they've had yeah. enough. Um, we are committed. We're seeing the young guys get on the field and play. That Hugh is always going to take it on the chin and say, it's my job to develop talent, whatever it is you give me. But when you look up and down rosters and you're trying to say, hey, what can we possibly do with this team here? Listen, it's shorthanded to say the least. You know, I, I think for us, we would be disappointed if we ended there. Um, you know, we would, we're always going to be focused on the underlying progress, how some of our, our players are coming together, what those losses look like. We're disappointed so far. We're not going to get into trying to project into hypotheticals. Uh, but we, we've got 12 opportunities. We're going to win all 12. Uh, and we're going to prepare to win all 12. Um, if that happens, that happens. If it doesn't, we'll, we'll deal with that at the time. My DBN brothers and sisters, I'm a Browns fan, pushing the proverbial rock up the hill yet again. You're listening to Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Thelonious 7 bringing it to you on the DBN Network. And as I kick this episode off, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Sass and the Grenache. And these guys have been out there listening and commenting since February. I appreciate the comments that you guys are making more than I can say. That feedback gives me motivation, and that makes the show so much more fun for me to do. So, uh, I guess for some reason, after a few days, a few days uh, departed from that debacle against the Bengals, I started to feel that the Browns might actually figure out a way to win this Sunday. They're going up against the New York Jets, a team that we've seen a bunch in recent years. Who could forget that matchup in 2015 that gave us images of Johnny Manziel's first NFL touchdown? And of course, there was the play where DeMario Davis launched his body into Josh McCown, causing the ball to fly loose and sidelining McCown with a brain injury. Ironically, in 2016, DeMario Davis and Josh McCown let bygones be bygones and suited up as teammates for the Cleveland Browns. And even more ironically, they continue to battle together in 2017 as members of the New York Jets. Meanwhile, third member of the famous Bumblecopter play, Calvin Pryor, also known as the Louisville Slugger, was the man traded 
from the Jets to the Browns uh, in order to acquire Demario Davis for this season. And of course, we know that the Louisville Slugger was run out of town less than a month ago for slugging Ricardo Lewis. You know, a little more than a month ago, people thought that the Jets were on the same path that the Browns were on in 2016 as they hit Control-Alt-Delete on their season, letting go of Marshall, Decker, Richardson, and some of the others. And yet, four weeks later, we find that they are already two games behind the Browns in the race for the top pick in the 2018 draft. Really, the Jets kind of suck at tanking. I, I took a look at the Jets-Jag game. It's a game that, in my, in my opinion, the Jets should have lost this game. There were a lot of strange things that happened in this game. Uh, defensive touchdowns, touchdowns on plays that Blake Bortles shouldn't be giving away. Uh, runs where uh, Bilal Powell falls down, gets back up and continues to run and scores a touchdown, even though clearly he's been down by contact. I mean, stuff like this happened in the game that, that allowed the game to be pretty close going into the closing minutes of the game in the fourth quarter. At the end of the game, the Jets were winning by three points. And uh, there are about three minutes left. And they had the ball with a chance to salt the game. But for some reason, maybe the Jets don't really know about Josh McCown at the end of games. And it's weird. I don't think I blame them. I don't think I blame Josh McCown for these losses. But it seems like every time he plays, something really stupid ends up happening. And, and you don't really blame Josh McCown, I guess. But I don't know. I thought maybe it was just the Browns. I mean, maybe it is just the Browns. <laughs> but because really the Jets didn't end up losing this game when they should have. But here's the scenario. Josh McCown is in an attempt to salt this game. And he throws a safe screen pass out to the side where his receiver, a back, inexplicably loses his footing, resulting in a pick that puts the Jags just out of field goal range, trailing by three, three minutes left in the game. But then, it was Blake Bortles' turn. I mean, Bortles put his team in the red zone, you know, in a time where a touchdown would give you a four-point lead with just under a minute left. But I don't know, Blake Bortles? I guess he can't, he can't punch it in. And they end up kicking a field goal, going to overtime, and the Jets pull it out with a late field goal. And uh, in the end, you look at the Jets, and they sit at 2-2. Two and two. But after that win, with all those anomalies, and the game the week before where they end up going out and guess, basically putting the smackdown on uh, Jay Cutler and the Miami Dolphins. I mean, but watching this game and watching the Jets, what they've been doing lately, I guess I feel like this might be the worst 2-2 two two team in the league right now. In my opinion, I feel like the Browns have a chance to win this week, and it's a real chance. You look at this game at the beginning of the year, and you would say that this one is a game. I mean, this one and the Bears game will be one where the Browns would have the best chances of getting because those teams at the beginning of the year were ranking in the 30s in the power polls. You know, but things change. The Jets now are sitting at 500 while the Browns lost back-to-back games to winless teams. And as bad as it looks, the Browns still appear to be one-point favorites at home. And I kind of think they should be. Turning the page from that Bengals game is kind of hard to do. This is kind of a bad taste in your mouth. But that matchup against the Bengals, I, I didn't feel good about it at all. I didn't get a chance to do a show about it last week. But the matchup just wasn't a good one for the Browns. 
I kind of felt like last year, uh, whenever uh, the Bengals came into town for Jackson, they they always they felt like they had something special for their old coach. I mean, the Bengals this time well, they were against the wall as a winless squad in a game they totally couldn't afford to overlook. Oh, and three they were sitting. They lost some tough ones. I mean, the first one against the, the against the uh, Ravens. I still don't really understand how that could happen like this to this team. But they lost some tough games early, and they had to, their backs were to the wall. They could not afford to overlook a game against the Browns, and they absolutely did not. They absolutely didn't, and they put the Browns in their place. But this week is a much different story. You know, the Browns lost last week because they got torched in the seams with Croft, and Dalton put in an extremely efficient performance, as the Browns really couldn't pressure him very much. Like I said, this week is going to be different. I think the Browns could have uh, Miles Garrett back, although I'm not really sure about his prognosis uh, for this game. But the Jets have to run the football in order to beat us. And over the last uh, weeks, that's been the strength of this defense. If they put the ball in McCown's hands to win, the Browns have a lot better chance. McCown, even at this advanced stage in his career, he can still hurt you. I mean... He played uh, much better in the week against Miami and uh, hit, hit a couple of nice passes over the top against these de- this defense. But as, 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 as good as I feel about our chances in this week's game, I, I really can't discount what I've seen from Kaiser over the last uh, few weeks. He has shown that he is very much able to out-bortle Blake Bortles. And I've been staying away from Kaiser in the last few shows, kind of half-consciously. And I felt a bit oddly about the way the offense has performed with him in there. And it gets clouded when you look at the way Hogan plays. I mean, Hogan is in his second year in the league, but really, I can't see why people can't say that right now, today, Hogan is probably going to do better than Kaiser would do. And that's not to say he's a better player or they should be taking snaps from Kaiser. I'm not sure if it's Kaiser's inexperience or what, but it's the same reason we keep came, we you know kept coming back to in the preseason. It was a reason that Joe Thomas was vocally uh, you know calling for Brock Osweiler to be the starter. It's something like the way that he commands the huddle, his experience. I mean, it's the same thing that Gruden was talking about in his session. You know, how is he talking, communicating to the guys around him? Is it something where he looks aloof, or is he really engaging and motivating those people out there? And as good as Osweiler seemed to be doing in his motivation and, and, and getting guys psyched up and getting guys on the same page, his play itself was actually appearing to hold the team back. In the case of Deshaun Kaiser, it seems a little bit different. It seems like Kaiser's play is okay, but it seems like the team is coming out disoriented or, or not focused or they don't all seem to be on the same on the same sheet of music, I would say. And uh, it's weird because it's hard to, to really observe it without actually being in the huddle. But you can see the signs of it not working pro- properly. And it's shown in the inconsistencies in the production of the offense. And even while I'm poo-pooing the consistency of the offense with Kaiser in, I think that slowly the Kaiser is beginning to bottom out and begin to right the ship and start to show you who he really is. And I think that He will improve uh, in the next quarter of the season. And the next quarter of the season has the Jets, the Texans, the Titans, the Vikings, the Vikings in London. 
By the way, man, I've been kind of going back and forth on attending that London game. I almost can't believe I'm debating it because two years ago, I would have certainly gone to this game if it was available. But, you know, this year, I don't know, I saw the ticket prices and airline prices and and I'm really, I'm not so sure. I feel like paying to see the Browns to get curb stomp uh, on the streets of London. And and plus, I kind of hate London, man, which is weird because I actually like most of the Brits that I've gotten to know over the years, Sasnash included. I mean... First place is definitely Canadians, man. I love Canadians. Canadians might be the most wonderful group of English speakers on the planet. They're delightful folks. And Brits are pretty cool, too. They're so... Man, the British accent, man. Just listen to, to Brits speak. And maybe I should get Sassnacher on the show someday, man. But he just... They just sound so smart when they say things. And, like, the level of discourse in Parliament as compared to Congress, I mean... Watch a little bit on C-SPAN, man. Interesting stuff. But for me, London has too many snobs, and it's kind of hard for me to be there for a long period of time. The only place that probably has more snobs in, in, in London is Paris, which is definitely the worst city ever. It's even worse than L.A. I mean, L.A. doesn't have so many snobs, but the people that are there, there's so many people that just think they're auditioning for entourage in that place, man. It's, it's crazy in that place. And these people are causing, you know, nearly causing multi-car accidents to move up one space in a traffic lane, you know, in a tra- traffic jam, you know. Why an NFL team wants to, wanted to move to L.A., I, I don't even understand. I'm sorry. Back to London, though, sorry. I'm not sure if I want to pay for the games in, in London. Uh, if anybody has an extra ticket or figures or the, the demand isn't high enough to see the Vikings play the Browns in London in general, hit me up in the comments. And I don't know, easy? Chris, how about a press pass, man? I'll do it upright. I don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to pay for it. I just, we'll see. Well... Sashi turned up to answer questions in the media this week. Was surprised to see him as available uh, at this early point in the year. Usually you hear from that GM maybe at the bye and the midpoint of the season. But when you're 1-19 and in your tenure, <laughs> and it looks like you might not win a game again, people are going to want to start asking questions. And the, the Cleveland media made no exception at this point this week. They had Sashi in, they asked him some questions. I got a little bit of it in the montage at the beginning of the show. And I guess it's a good a time as any to question the design of what's happening. Now, I, I personally don't think there's a rift between the front office and the coach. And it's true. The front office to this point has given Jackson less than enough to win consistently right now. That's true. But it's also true that it's by design. And... um. I guess maybe now, maybe it's a good time as any to question this design. I guess by now, I'm wondering if the teardown was actually the best way to build the winner. Uh, particularly because as they took a team that was devoid of talent already and even you know, decreased it even more, building it back up and gaining the consistency just breeds a period of so, so much so much destitution, man. At some point, you lose the fans who have already been alienated by a poor team in the first place, and you make them even worse, drive more fans away, and take away people that naturally would support your team as they fought through a normal rebuild. You know, you're doing this stuff, and is it really even necessary? I mean, couldn't you have found a way to do it a little bit um, more cost-effectively? I don't know. There, there should, maybe there's another path. Other teams have taken different directions and have done this different ways. I mean, really, it's no secret you need a quarterback. The Browns basically have, you know, seemed to, to tr- try to be addressing this. But after that, 
I mean, what is the reason for this like extreme move? In the end, the players you bring back are so much less experienced, and you can get them experience. And I guess the idea is to sign them long term, which gives you a chance to build a long lasting, a long lasting um, record of success, I guess. But I don't know. For me, I uh, have been in H three corner, H 3s corners since the Dipudesto hire, and I still feel pretty good about this group as well. I feel good about the brain trust and abstraction. And I actually feel like they have calculated this downturn into the equation. They don't actually care about winning now. Although ever since the Collins trade, they do Collins trade, they do appear to be trying to build something uh, for the future. But for but the Brit for Pryor and the no real free safety thing, I mean, I guess I question the team building in this way. And they're adding talented players, but are they bringing in the right players for what they want to do in their system? I mean, right now, it's like Peppers, Taylor, the wide receiver core. These are where the roster is weak. And in the end, that just hinders the passing game so much. It's hindered the passing game so much so far. And obviously, they've given up tons of big plays. They also could use more of a grinder at running back. Sometimes I wonder about that positioning there as well. You know, I know the draft is about specific players and not usually positions. This team is likely going to have its fixes to the draft. And... If I were going to rank their top five needs right now going into the draft, I would I would say have it like this. First, I would say the biggest need they have is at wide receiver, followed by free safety. Then I would go get a running back, maybe even another wide receiver and an offensive tackle, maybe to replace Joe Thomas at some point. But I really appreciated watching Sashi respond to this to this uh, round of questions. I mean, Sashi's a lawyer. And he answers questions like a lawyer with very measured responses. I really like the response that he said that it feels like it's been even longer than two years. It's a weird thing for him to say. It's like, usually he doesn't say some passive aggressive weird sounding stuff like that. But this time you definitely heard a few kind of coded strange messages popping up in what he was saying. Uh, at the end, especially where it seemed like he was insinuating, hey, this team does keep losing. Maybe Jackson might be the guy we push out. And I've been saying before, uh, for me, I I really don't want Hugh Jackson to be gone. I think we should keep him at even 0-16. I, I, I feel that strongly about what Hugh Jackson is bringing to the organization. But if for some reason the team felt like they had to get away from Jackson or Jackson had too much and wasn't able to really get through to the players anymore or I don't really know what exactly might be a, a real reason for firing him but if, if for some reason after 0-16 it just looks so bad that they need to replace him that's bad it's not cool but in the end as long as Sashi Dipodesta and Andrew Barry, as long as these H3 members stay together as the brain trust for the Brown, you can feel good about where the team's going to go. I mean, I mean, it might have ate up and chewed up and spit out a coach like Hugh Jackson, a guy who should be, you know, who should be a championship football coach. He's a good coach. And the Cleveland Browns organization in this process might have, well, might have been too much. It's definitely depressing to watch the factory of sadness rip through Hugh Jackson's superego. And this is why at this point, the team absolutely has to win this game this Sunday. 
against the New York Jets. For the sake of Hugh Jackson, for the sake of humanity, it's the fifth game of the year, and the Jets suck. They have already reached the number of wins that they want to win this year. They know they're not a playoff team. They do not need a win in this game, and they're on the road. Plus, listen to this narrative. The quarterback who led your tanking team to a 1-15 record last year brought his new tanking team into your house and won. Really? Followed next week by the Browns, passed on Deshaun Watson, who let the analytics folks know just how big of a chip he had on his shoulder. At this point, it will be so hard to be a Browns fan, especially when the Indians are making their run. And soon, the Cavs will be looking to get LeBron to his eighth straight final. Has he got enough to do it to the Dubs this year? <laughs> Listen, the Browns have to win this one. I don't care. I mean, you don't, you don't hear me speaking hyperbole so often. But in this case, I have to make an exception. If I come off like a homer, I'm sorry. But I'm picking the Browns to win this game because right now, this organization has his back against the wall. And really, if Jackson can't win this game, I don't think he's going to be able to take it anymore. There's a reason Sashi agreed to speak before this game. Watching the look on Jackson's face the previous weeks, I mean, he has valiantly led the worst team in football to a 1-19 record. But it's the 20th game. And when I say Coast Guard watch, I don't know if there actually is a Lake Erie Coast Guard, maybe but when I say Coast Guard watch, I'm not joking. It's going to be Butch Davis. He's going to have a nervous breakdown. He's going to end up taking a year off coaching. And then he's going to take over at USC and be the Nick Saban of the West. And probably better if he this. But for the sake of Hugh Jackson, what about Joe Thomas? The Browns somehow have to win this game. I, I don't even want to watch the press conference if he were to lose. <laughs> I don't want to see a grown man cry like that. It gets me kind of choked up <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> well, with that note of desperation, we'll put this one in the books. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in to this and all the shows at the DBN. Love the comments and Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I am your host, Thelonious7, on the DBN Network. Take care. Gasson is kneeling at the 17, 37-yard attempt to kick his up. It is good. The Browns have won the game. The Browns have won the game and doubled over time. 23-20, and the stadium is gone for Hi, I'm Kara Swisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.